0: In 2023, Christina Karamo was elected chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Her appointment represented a shift toward Trump-aligned membership in the state GOP. It also spotlighted the growing internal disagreements within the party. But in the year since her election, Karamo hasn't delivered financially. And the party is in disarray. The financials are one thing, but there have been many verbal and even some physical altercations at party functions, all over the future of the movement. Now, some members of the state GOP want Karamo out, and they're calling for a vote this Saturday to remove her as chair of the party. Today, the Karamo debacle and what this means in light of a presidential election year. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Jonathan Osteen covers politics for Bridge, Michigan. Hey, Jonathan, Happy New Year.
1: Hey, April. Happy New Year to you as well.
0: Now, folks may have heard on the show, I mean, the, the problems have really been going on for months about these executive Republican Party committee meetings that have come to blows and questions about finances. But for those who haven't been following this very closely, can you bring us up to speed? Who was it who called for the meeting this weekend?
1: Yeah, so the person who called for the meeting this weekend was a member of the state central committee. That's like the governing body of the Michigan Republican Party, um, and that's Bree Mogenberg. She's from the Mount Pleasant era. She's an activist who rose out of the Moms for Liberty uh, movement, actually, and then um, became a, a, a you know a part of the Michigan Republican Party in recent years. And uh, her and another guy named Warren Carpenter, who is now outside of the Michigan Republican Party, he resigned his post last year, um, but he has been sort of leading the charge behind the scenes to remove Karamo. He worked on helping the party plan the Mackinac Republican Leadership Conference in September and says that during that process, he became aware of how deeply Troubled The state party's finances really were, you know, in his opinion, how poorly managed the party had become. So he's been uh, working for months now to try and build momentum for an effort to remove uh, chair Christina Caramo and uh, appears to be moving forward uh, with that plan. This coming weekend.
0: What exactly is on the agenda? There is the vote about Christina Caramo, of course, but I, I believe that's not all that, that the folks who are attending this hope to accomplish.
1: Yeah, that's right. First of all, there's a couple bylaw changes that um, they want to push through to make it easier to remove Karamo, lowering the threshold, uh, I believe from a two-thirds majority of state committee members to 60%, which is not quite as high of a threshold to remove her. But uh, there's also resolutions to remove, basically, Karamo's entire administration, you know, her chief of staff, her general counsel for the party, and her communications director, basically to clear house and also discuss some other party functions about what things might look like moving forward, which would be very much be up in the air.
0: Jonathan, is all this allowed in the state party bylaws? Christina Caramo has made some statements that she thinks this meeting is not permitted. What exactly does the vote require in terms of buy-in from the state executive committee?
1: Yeah. So the real question is whether these Karamo critics even have the authority to call this special meeting in the first place. Under party bylaws, it's usually the chair who has to call a special meeting. And Christina Karamo has, in fact, called the special meeting as requested by these critics, but not until January 13. But in calling that meeting, she didn't specify some of the points on the agenda that these critics want. So they argue her call for a meeting was not legitimate, therefore allowing them to call their own meeting for January 6th and set the agenda, Karamo very vocally disagrees and, uh, you know, basically is already arguing that they do not have the legal authority to even hold this meeting. And certainly if they do go forward with it and they vote, um, they have enough members present, a quorum to remove her and hold that vote. Certainly there's going to be a legal fight that follows. I think um, even folks planning this ouster are aware that this may end up in court.
0: Sounds messy. A couple of weeks ago, you report that Karamo's co-chair, Melinda Pago, called for a reconsideration of her leadership. I mean, was that the thing that really got this momentum going? Who does Caramo have if she doesn't even have her own co-chair on her side?
1: Yeah, well, that was sort of a long time coming. Pego and Caramo actually had sort of a public feud at one point last year. And Pego argued that Caramo had been sidelining her. But yeah, obviously, Pego signing this petition to call for consideration and a possible vote uh, was a big deal because she ran for this position with Christina Caramo. You know, it wasn't just Caramo that Michigan Republican Party delegates voted for in the February convention. It was the Caramo pego ticket. So that's a big deal. But then also um, last week, eight of the party's 13 congressional district chairs, so a majority of Republican Party leaders at the congressional level called on Caramo to resign in a joint statement, you know, basically trying to encourage her to leave on her own accord rather than have things come to a head as they now may uh, this weekend.
0: What exactly do we know about the state of finances for Michigan's Republican Party?
1: Well, we don't know the current bank statements, but we do know some statements as of last fall. Those were leaked to the media and they basically showed the party was broke, you know, had tens of thousands of dollars left, but also had a line of credit. Uh, roughly $500,000 uh, that it was a, potentially about to default on. We know the party effectively confirmed that because they recently sued uh, a trust that holds the old state party headquarters building in Lansing to try and claim ownership of that building so they could sell it to, to basically pay off their debt to Comerica Bank. Now, I should note that Karamo says she effectively inherited this debt from the prior administration who led the Michigan Republican Party. And there does appear to be some merit to that claim. But, you know, she's had uh, 11 months now to raise funds and and relieve that debt or retire that debt and hasn't been able to do so uh, thus far.
0: We need to take a break. When we come back, what happens if Christina Karamo is voted out? We'll be right back. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Are there other issues outstanding that Christina Karamo's critics talk about when they say this chair has
1: to go? Yeah, very much so. I mean, so Karamo came in as part of a grassroots movement, right? Folks who were just getting into politics for the first time, mostly inspired by former President Donald Trump. They also took over a lot of local parties and there's been similar feuds to what we're seeing at the state level in both local and congressional district parties across the state. And one of the big gripes from grassroots activists who now oppose Caramo is that she has intervened in some of these local disputes, you know, effectively taken sides between factions that are at war themselves. Now, again, these factions are almost all grassroots Trump factions, they're not the quote unquote establishment for the most part. The establishment has largely been driven out of the Michigan Republican Party. So what you see here is factions of newer and very vocal, energized um, Republican delegates feuding at the local and state levels and mad that the state is now, the state party has um, intervened in some of those disputes.
0: I think even folks who don't follow politics terribly closely may be aware of some of what you're talking about, that the, the GOP and its and many of its local uh, representatives you know, went through some big changes in personnel as Donald Trump became the nominee in 2016 and, be, and got elected president. And that people of long experience have largely left as state executive committee members and other kinds of party officers I mean, these these newer folks who kind of came into party service during the Trump era, can you give us any sense of like who they are and maybe how the lines are falling about who's supporting Karamo and who is not? Is there anything that you can tell us about, you know, the structure of this power struggle?
1: Well, I think the one thing that unifies them all is that for the most part, These are all quote unquote election deniers, you know, folks who believe the 2020 election was rigged against Trump, despite, you know, evidence and court rulings saying that wasn't the case. But that is a unifying factor. But, you know, when you have a whole bunch of folks that basically entered politics because of their fervent participation in a conspiracy theory, I think it was, you know, not surprising to some observers that, you know, a lot of conspiracies were gonna be floated as well once folks took power. So the lines are very blurred here. I mean, certainly some of the people now agitating to remove Caramo were supporters and linked to Matthew DePerno. He ran against Caramo for the state party chair position. And lost, but they had both shared a ticket in 2022 as the DiPerno as the attorney general candidate and Karamo as the secretary of state candidate for the Michigan Republican Party. And they both rose to prominence by challenging the 2020 election. DePerno was a lawyer who led the Antrim County lawsuit that allowed folks to look under the hood of Michigan voting machines and really fueled a global conspiracy theory about those voting machines that actually continues to play out in court because the voting machine companies have sued a lot of people that spread false claims about those machines.
0: Jonathan, do you think the people who want to change at the chair level have the votes?
1: They claim they do. Um, I'll wait to see the actual vote or the results of the vote. What we do know is that a few weeks ago, Karamo critics were able to derail a state central committee meeting of the Michigan GOP that was supposed to be held via Zoom by boycotting it and holding their own in-person meeting. And they actually got what's called a quorum, enough members there to make their meeting at least appear to be the official one. So they've shown before that they have some strength in numbers, but, you know, showing up to a meeting is different than actually casting a vote to remove the chair. Uh, certainly, I think folks might have some cold feet, you know, fearing repercussions from the Krama administration if they hold this vote and if it fails or is ultimately um, overturned in court.
0: I'm mindful of the fact that Christina Karamo lost election as Michigan Secretary of State a couple of years ago and did not concede (laughs) to this day. She has not acknowledged uh, that she lost that election. I mean, let's just say for whatever reason, she does not end up leaving the chair's office this weekend, either because of a lack of votes against her or because she refuses to concede. I think you mentioned that a lot of people think this is going to end in a lawsuit one way or the other.
1: Yeah, certainly. If this vote occurs and she uh, doesn't honor it, certainly things will end up in court. You know, we've seen some courts weigh in on the local disputes that I mentioned earlier. So this would be unique and that would be a state dispute that a court would have to decide. But state level political parties actually. You know, have some power in Michigan. For instance, with this whole debate of over whether Trump should appear on the primary ballot, uh, it's the state parties that say who should appear on the primary ballot in Michigan, not the Secretary of State. That's something Jocelyn Benson actually argued in court. So the political parties for for these two major parties are actually, you know, have some authority under state law that I think would make a court more likely to uh, weigh in on this matter uh, moving forward. But, you know, Karamo claims she's not taking this personally, that she expected it somewhat. You know, she, and this is true, came in as a change agent, you know, someone who said she was really going to shake things up. And uh, of course, that's going to rub some people the wrong way. You know, the, the question is whether she still has support from the very people that voted her in to be that change agent at this point.
0: If Christina Caramo is voted out, who steps in to fill the void?
1: Well, under the party bylaws, it would temporarily be Melinda Pego. She's the co-chair position right now. She would temporarily become acting chair until the state committee uh, meets again and appoints a successor. So usually... The chair is elected by delegates, so precinct delegates, a much larger pool of Republican Party members, uh, you know, thousands often vote in those chair races. But for filling a vacant spot, it would just be the state committee, and that's about a hundred or so. Really, you know, the diehard Michigan Republicans who were not only precinct delegates, but then were chosen by their peers to be on this state committee. They would ultimately select the. Replacement to finish out the second year of Karamo's two-year term.
0: Jonathan, do you know if officials at the National Republican Party are much aware of what's going on here? I mean, Ronna McDaniel is from Michigan, after all. Do you see this coming coming into their into their line of sight?
1: I'm sure they are very aware. Yes, they are not commenting on it right now. You know, uh, I, I'm sure they hope that this uh, sort of resolves itself. But the state party is effectively an arm of the RNC. I mean, the state party, for instance, is going to not only um, is Michigan to have a presidential primary, the state party this year is set to host for the very first time in early March, a convention with individual caucuses that will decide a lot of the votes for the the Republican National Convention where the presidential nominee will formally be selected. So in other words, the state party plays a big role in deciding how Michigan's delegates to the national convention are going to be awarded. And that means the RNC has a really vested interest in making sure the state party is able to do that, able to pull that off. Uh, you know, one thing experts have told me is possibly if the courts haven't resolved this at a certain point or, uh, you know, this drama is continuing into the spring, that potentially the RNC could step in and try and take over the party. Again, the RNC has not said that, but it's one possibility that longtime Republicans have raised.
0: Jonathan Osting He's on the politics beat for Bridge, Michigan. Jonathan, thank you so much for your reporting on this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: That's Stateside's podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Moradian and Lauren Neong. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions, and some music comes from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.